James. Rough. Actually, it was probably a mistake for me to bring these delicious pizza shapes, wasn't it? It was. Also, if you just started recording, it seems like took a big bite of one. Presumably isn't a good listening experience just hearing just people eat all the time. <laughs> There's probably no other podcast in the world that's popular that features people just eating chips. <laughs> shapes are possibly the worst thing you could eat, other than maybe like toffee. Uh, like awful, disgusting, like sibilant sort of like chewing noises. Yeah, exactly. But shapes, pizza shapes are right up there because they the crunch is loud. Yeah. If you just to paint a picture of the recording environment, <laughs> we're on like a glass table that's like a metre squared. Yeah. We've got our two SMBs, SM7Bs, as keen-eared listeners of the last week's episode will have learned. Yeah. And then in the middle a, of the table. A single packet of shapes. A, a single box of Arnott's Pizza Shapes. Nice watch. Yeah, I've got an Apple Watch. I picked it up last week. What band have you gone with there? It's a sports band. What are you rocking? What band? What's, what's, your, what's your daily driver? <laughs> uh, I actually don't know. The magnet one, the metal magnet one. What do you call that? It's a bit less athletic. Yeah, no, well, I got mine for running because I'm getting back into running yeah. after a long absence due to being laid low by plantar fasciitis, sort of an over, like a, a stretching injury of the the, the tendon that runs from the... you got a bung foot. i got a bung foot. But they just say it in Latin, so it sounds worse than it is. That's true, yep. Also fasciitis. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like the fash. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty intense. Anyway, I, I kind of fixed that with a $15 bit of wood I bought from Amazon, which is pretty cool. Anyway, so I'm back into running. Yeah. So Mussolini was, foot's gone. Yeah, Mussolini foot is, you know, exactly gone. Trench my trench foot out of the picture. So, yeah, no, so I've got an Apple Watch to measure my runs, get all the figures, analyze them. Now it's sending me notifications like, we've identified a new trend in your gait. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're sure. like, thank you. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Thank, up there. Thanks for caring. Mm. Your watch cares so much about you that it's monitoring you. Yep. Monitoring how much air I get when I run. Mm. You know, how much time you spend in between impact points. It's pro stuff. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't yeah, yeah. get it. I'm just saying. No, no, no. You're a runner, mate. I'm a runner. I'm one of those guys. Yeah. We've referenced it many times before, I think, in passing, the idea of wearables and how back in the day, it wasn't just for runners like you. It wasn't for athletes. Yeah, exactly. That's the original I- conception of the Apple Watch, at least, obviously, like, wearables have been around well, they've been imagined for a long time. Before we had the phone, early modern human. Yep. <laughs> We're talking 100,000 years ago. Imagine <laughs> having a little computer on his wrist. Got it. That's no. just early. Is it? When's early man? A million years ago. Yeah. When people say like early modern humans, they're talking about- well, you when, like when, when they put the they sharpened rock. No, guys. When, you, when you first got like Homo sapiens, and it was like, oh, even before that, Homo erectus. Yeah, totally, and it was like legible as a human as a human being. In my mind, early modern human is the last hundred years. Okay, cool. I guess I'm thinking it more through the artistic lens. Got it. Um, and b- those people wanted wrist computers. They wanted wrist computers. Yep, it's a great point. In a circular way, we are sort of getting to a point, which is when the Apple Watch came out in 2015. It was the first Apple Watch was released. You can see kind of like the Apple HQ pitch decks that were like, Apple is a luxury brand. Mm. You know, the iPhone, that's a luxury phone. No Android phone comes close to us in terms of like cultural power. 
And they were like, we are going to create a luxury wearable that's like a fashion item, mm. fashion object. They had just hired their new head of retail, um, Angela Arendt from Burberry. Mm. You know, she was going to revitalize the Apple stores and make them something more akin to a high fashion store. You could go in and try on watches and shit. Anyway, they released like that like $20,000 gold one yeah. or whatever. If you're stuck with a first generation gold Apple Watch that costs you $20,000 and it's stuck with the feature set of the first Apple Watch. Goddamn. And like that framing and stuff. Yeah. Get in touch. Yeah. Get in touch. But it quickly became apparent they're literally the only reason that people use wearables. The number one reason is for health and fitness related yeah. stuff. If you look at what the Apple Watch does now and like you look at how it gets marketed and, and positioned and everything like that, it's all fitness. It's all people that are using it to track their heart rate and their blood oxygen and their runs and their walks and their yoga and cycling and all that sort of mm. shit. And you know, the, the top tier one is now like the Apple Watch Ultra, which is for like, I don't know, whitewater rafters and well, I think that's free the thing. divers and shit. You're still signaling. It's not like a luxury signaling. I mean, to a certain extent, it's like I'm an Apple user, which yeah. is what it is. But the signaling now is more like I am into tech, but I also fitness. Yeah. I know that those features do have their purposes, but it is also still a signaling device that like I'm an athlete. That's what I'm, I'm signaling right now. That's why I got one. Because the dream of the like computer on the wrist, it turns out it's actually like a very poor product to engage with as a computer. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. The Jetsons idea of you kind of have this thing on your wrist that you interact with and talk to. I mean, anyone who's got any kind of Apple Watch realizes, like, the first time you take a phone call on an Apple Watch is probably going to be the last time you take a call, unless you're in a, unless you've, like, locked your phone in your car or it's seriously a long... Like, you don't know where your phone is. You literally yeah. don't know where your phone is. You know it's close and you get a phone call and you're struggling to find your phone. You're never going to take a call on your wrist because it's horrible. Yeah. Yelling, did that work? Like, did the call answer? And you're saying, hello, hello, into your fucking wrist. Yep. If you're out in public. No, I'm, I'm humiliated here. And then about someone's this. saying, like, oi, oi, Raf, Raf, Raf. I'm like, hey, yeah, how's it going? Oh, okay. You sound weird. Have you? No, no, just whatever. Just what's going on? Just yelling. Just It's just pumping out into the world in the most obnoxious fashion. No, it's, it's, it, that's, not, no that's not. I don't know where to hold it. Are you, where are you supposed to hold your damn wrist? Are you supposed to hold it in front of your mouth? I don't even know. I, did, I didn't even know they still let you do phone calls like that at all. I thought it was all AirPods and shit now. No, no, you can still do it. You can talk to in oh, your you can wrist. do the walkie-talkie thing or whatever as well. Yeah, but like you can do phone calls. It's just like having it on speaker mode yeah. in a weird way. But it's horrible, right? It's, hor- like, it's horrible. The, the, the anytime you try and interact at all, to be honest, with the wrist, it doesn't work. Whenever it's more than one button... Literally, if you're in any sub-menu, which you have to be because there's absolutely no screen real estate, the experience is just terrible. Yep. Hence why it's a fitness device. It's a fitness device. And a health device. Yes. But it, it comes from like, a, you know, Apple tried to sort of stray and make the smartphone to something much more than just for fitness. But since sort of the invention of the smartphone, basically, and like widely available mobile networks, GPS, et cetera, fitness tech has been massive and kind of semi-under-described part of the tech landscape. Mm. Obviously, the Fitbits were massive when mm. they first landed. I guess the early 2010s, Fit, Fitbits got really big yeah. as part of like the fitness culture. They were acquired by Google a few years ago who have, as far as I'm aware, kind of run the brain into the ground. Like You don't hear about Fitbits very much anymore. No. Uh, they're still around, obviously, but they're not they're hitting the, the cultural heights that they once did. Yeah, I think, though, with any device like this, you can see 
from a company like Google and a company like Apple now that obviously they've completely changed the strategy around it. You're ingratiating yourself into someone's like personal life, I guess, on a fundamental level. And so there'll be a lot of stickiness to that person. Like once yep. you buy a Fitbit and all your data's in there and your historic data is in there and, you know, you are someone who is actually actively engaging it because like a lot of people, such as myself, to be perfectly honest, I don't track any of the real health data. I use it for golf though. It's very handy as like a golf. I'm 200 meters from the pin or whatever. It tells you your distances. Yep. Anyway, whatever. Once you are ingratiated into someone's life and part of their workout routine, there's a lot of lock in there. Yeah, it's, like it's there's a, a huge switching cost. It's incredibly, yeah, it's incredibly sticky. Like um, I had a, I just bought an Apple Watch, but I had one ages ago, which I got on loan from Apple when they first launched them. I used it for a while and I was running with it and whatever. And you accumulate all this data and it goes into the fucking Apple fitness mm. app. And then you've got like this history of it. And it's like, oh, I can't switch to another platform. I can't switch to another app. I can't switch to whatever because it's all kind of like living in there. Yeah, you're right. It's like an incredibly like sticky platform sort of thing. Yeah. So whilst like the audience is quite low, it's like we're talking about it in the media thing, like a niche versus scale play. As like a niche and a revenue per user play, it's very attractive. Yeah, totally. You see that pop up with all different other platforms as well, like Strava Mm. was and is huge, like platforms where you can share your workouts with people, share, share your runs, share your workouts, whatever. Famous for two things, Strava. One, drawing phalluses like doing a run in the shape of a phallus yeah, yeah exactly do like running around your city and drawing a penis over the course of a 15 kilometer run and there is a i am going to get to number two i do realize on this podcast a lot i say like one and i make a point and then i just like never get to number two no well it's because you are famously a fan of dot point bullet lists yeah. let's, let's distill everything down to points so here even are my points <laughs> even if i've only got one even if you don't have the points no, but I, I do have a second one which we'll get to in a second were you across the um strava i remember there was a huge blow up because the woman who invented running in the shape of penises or whatever a pioneer um, i might add <laughs> She did a call-out post because someone else basically stole her idea and she did a full breakdown and his way bigger account. You know, she had like 20,000 followers and this account now had like 180 and she was like, see, this person liked this post, this post and this post, which is before they started doing it. But wow. And she was like, I didn't really care because, you know, obviously this is stupid. Who cares? Until that person got like interviewed by Vanity Fair or something like that. And she was like, and this is too far. I have to call it out now. Anyway, drama in the- straight, straight, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. The Strava penis drawing culture. <laughs> yeah. But point two, what Strava was obviously famous for is um, leaking the location of American military bases. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there was a period where it was very easy to find where American military bases in like Iraq were. Because you just, you just look at the Strava maps in Iraq and it's all going to be military contractors literally running around the perimeter of their base. Like, <laughs> drawing it as a big... Drawing blueprints. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole, yeah, like the whole culture of like sharing running maps, sharing like... I mean, it's still ongoing. Obviously, it's a huge part. But there was definitely, in the last decade, a huge moment for that kind of stuff. As you said, like fitness as a target market, like a vertical market for tech is like... So great. You have like incredibly passionate people mm. who are inclined to spend a bunch of money on their hobby. Yeah. Like if you're really into running, for example, like you're going to spend heaps on shoes, you're going to spend whatever. And if and just devices and subscriptions fall into that really easily. Same if you're like someone who, I mean, A, like if you're really into fitness, you probably have a gym membership. So you're already inclined to spend relatively expensive 
subscriptions. Mm. So yeah, it's a, it's a market that's like ready to spend on their sort of thing. It feels good to spend on it. You're yeah, doing totally. the work by spending on it. It's not like a guilty expenditure. Yeah. It's the opposite. Totally. And it fed into like, I find this part of it all really fascinating, is that like this insane quantification of fitness, right? Because yeah. until probably like 15 years ago, nobody except the people who were like the really intense people were doing this at all. Like obviously if you were like a hardcore bodybuilder, you're like tracking your nutrition to, mm. to a key level, you're, you know, tracking your, your PBs and whatever with your lifting. But for most people, that wasn't the case. But now everyone kind of has the power to insanely quantify their fitness. Eating and with exactly. calorie counters you, and all you, that kind Exactly. Of stuff. You use like MyFitnessPal to track how many calories you're taking. They do a subscription now as well. Mm. And then like you have your Apple Watch, which is tracking how many calories you're burning. Yeah, sleep, another huge one. You've got, as I said, I've got, you know, Apple Watch telling me how much time I spend airborne when I'm running, you know, <laughs> and like whether that, Trend is changing over time. There's like, do you want to be more airborne or, or less airborne? I actually don't know. I got to look into that. <laughs> I feel like you want to be more airborne. Yeah, just for the cool factor. Well, it means that your strut is is, is like longer. Bounding sort of. <laughs> you're bounding. Like, you're bounding. Well, maybe it kind of correlates with your mood, whatever your mental state is. Like, if you're particularly optimistic, you're bounding. Yep, it's a good point. Maybe yeah, exactly. If my trends go up, I'm I'm happy. This is the kind of thing that. Obviously, it's why it's worth buying an Apple Watch. No, exactly, to find out this stuff. This stuff, which at the moment doesn't exist, but should. Yeah. There's literally like a um, weird online culture, social movement sort of thing of guys who are like pursuing what they call the quantified life, where they track everything yeah. about themselves and they put them on these like public dashboards where everyone can look. And it's not just like how many, how much they're running and what they're eating they do include that but it's like how many bowel movements do they have a day yeah yeah like how much sleep are they getting yeah well the idea being that if you track all these little data points then you'll be able to figure out how to become healthy perfectly healthy or whatever i think a lot of this is just an excuse for the same thing that kind of drives a lot of social media use or whatever which is like i mean narcissism is a strong word and i'm not as we mentioned before, we actually both have PhDs, but I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not Jill Biden-ing this situation. No. But it's an excuse for people to say like, oh, I'm doing this to hold myself accountable. It's like you want to post pictures of yourself getting buff. You yeah, know, you, I mean, and you want to kind of talk about your phys- like your, your activity yeah, and yeah. like you want to talk about the exercise you're doing. Maybe that's full judgment. I'm being judgy, Raph, now. Judge, oh, yeah. jury, and executioner. Totally. Um, Raph? About people trying to better themselves. Come on, like- <laughs> You're doing it because you like to post pictures about yourself and you like to get a lot of compliments and about you and, you know, you're doing something hard. Don't get me wrong. You know, exercise, diets, all that kind of stuff. It requires a bunch of uh, self-discipline. Yep. Self-discipline. All that sort of stuff. Famously hard. And so, yeah, sure, you want to get a bit of dopamine for and a bit of congratulations for doing something that is a challenge. Yep. But under this guise of like- I just want to be transparent and hold myself accountable. Like, that's why I'm doing this. So, come on. Let's be honest here. Come on. Let's yeah, pay yourself in the back. That's fine. <laughs> yes. But I think the absolute peak of kind of like tech fitness culture came in the pandemic, basically. Because mm. obviously, due to uh, draconian government policies mm. handed down by the World Economic Forum. Yes. And the UN. Yeah, planned. Plan- yeah, the plan. Well, I wouldn't say pandemic. You know what? I will say it. Pandemic. Uh, I've lost my train of thought, but definitely think on that. (laughs) No. No. uh, It 
really accelerated like the home fitness craze because people, yeah. people couldn't go to the gym because a lot of them were shut down. That really accelerated a trend that was already going on. And if you listen to our episode on coaching, you will have known there was like a right around the time that there was a huge acceleration in like people offering courses for yeah. like fitness. Yeah, yeah. But at it, home course. It was the transition to um, the at-home workout routine, yep. the digital PT. We had the argument like, oh, are people ever going to go back to the office again? people ever going to go back to work here? Is it working for home forever? But there was like that second order consideration where people were like, is anyone ever going to go to the gym again? Yeah, yeah. People have bought all this home workout gear. They've decked out their gyms. They've signed up to like Apple Fitness. They've signed up to like these programs. The funniest beneficiary of this was what I think is the peak tech fitness story of the past five years, which is Peloton. Oh, yeah. Peloton, baby. For those who have, for some reason, not come into contact with Peloton, it's the elevated exercise bike. This isn't your your parents' exercise bike. Oh no, it's an exercise bike with an iPad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Gathering dirt, dust in a in the garage. No, no, sir. This one costs five thousand dollars. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's like in that range. And yeah, it has a big shiny iPad attached to it. That at its peak was worth $50 billion. Yeah. And it literally was an exercise bike with an iPad grafted to it. Yeah. And you could like have, this is again, very early pandemic stuff. Yes, Peloton existed before, but there was that moment when it was like everyone was home, a bunch of like rich people had bought Pelotons yeah, and they were all developing like parasocial relationships with like the trainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a big weird thing. It was, it was like, oh, you know, I, lo- I really love Chad. But I don't love Mike. Yeah. I've just made those names up. But these were the, the people that people were obsessing over with the trainers and their on their Peloton machine. And then it turned out, you know, this was being sold as kind of like this is the future of fitness. Yeah. And maybe the future of entertainment. Mm. Maybe the future of everything is contained in this iPad glued to an exercise bike. Yeah. Did not pan out that way. The value has absolutely cratered since then. Yeah, it's worth Three billion or something like that. If you bought Peloton shares during the pandemic, being like the gym is dead, <laughs> bikes are dead. Yep. There'll be no one riding any bikes, and there'll be no one going to gyms. That's a total addressable market of one billion people. Actually, at forty billion dollars, this company is a complete steal because everyone will be paying five grand for their bike, and they'll be paying a hundred bucks a month subscription. You'd be an idiot not to buy Peloton at forty-five billion dollar market cap. Yeah, the value collapsed. They couldn't sell. Their bikes after a certain point, like they well, they had they had a classic during the pandemic. They had a supply problem. They had an undersupply, so they ramped up production of of their bikes, and then they had a massive oversupply that they then had to try and discount and a huge inventory problem. Because I mean, this is the thing: inventory is hard, and I know it's like it's nerdy to say, but we talk about it all the time. Like Tim Cook was a logistics guy. Producing hardware at scale is very very hard. Yeah. Anyway, so Peloton couldn't do it. Most, most, no one can. Like, that's no real slight on Peloton in that they gave it a crack, but it's very, very hard. Tesla has struggled with it. They're getting better at it. It's very, very hard to build complex things at scale for an international audience and grow it at double. I mean, you know, think about it. Building anything, if every couple of months you have to quadruple the output of what you're building or double the output, as well as innovate on the technology and be changing every, like all these tiny little pieces. We talked about it in the semiconductors episode, how complicated the supply chains for these things are. It is a very hard problem to solve building a complex piece of technology, hardware at scale while growing at 
the trajectory they are. Peloton couldn't work that out. Then all of a sudden, their sales <laughs> went backwards. Yep. They were never profitable. Like they never worked out how to actually make money off these incredibly expensive pieces of machinery. So it was always going to be this kind of subscription play. But if you're no longer increasing your audience size and you can't make any money off the hardware and it's very tough blah, 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 and expensive, blah, 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 then like what is your business? And what their business that they pivoted to is what I think a lot of people see a lot of money in. Anyone can now download the Peloton app and be a subscriber to Peloton. So it's like a software play. But if you don't need the bike for lock-in or whatever, then like what's their yeah, different, exactly. differentiation? There, there, this was the other thing, this sort of like profligate peak, like pandemic era business models, like you had to pay several thousand dollars for the bike. Mm. And then on top of that, you had to pay like $150, $200 a year or more for like the subscription to actually kind of like make the bike usable yeah. or, like, or make it like worth having the iPad attached to it. Because yeah. the reason you have it is so you can have this like, I don't know, cheery American guy in your ear being like, you can do it, man. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Pump harder. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so no, they've pivoted to the the fitness subscription pack, which so many of these apps now do. Mm. You know, Apple has Apple Fitness Plus, does exactly the same thing. Except it is actually better than Peloton, etc. because if you have an Apple Watch, it's got your heart rate on the frigging screen and, like, the trainers are saying... Now you may notice your heart rate's increasing right now. That's what we wanted. So it's top. They reference kind of the stuff that you're seeing on the screen because it's Apple. It's all. It's an ecosystem. It's a monopoly. They have a competitive advantage. So if you're trying to compete in the fitness space, you're going to struggle because yep. you don't have a friggin' device on their wrist and you haven't got all of the data associated with them. You're not in their home, et cetera, et cetera. But that's all, you know. I've been banging on about this forever. But the fitness space, in my opinion, is just another one where like the incumbents are going to win. Apple don't care if they make any money off Apple Fitness Plus. Yeah, totally. They just want it to be yet another kind of lock-in, yet another thing where you're like, hmm, I can either pay for one of these third-party fitness apps or I can pay the same amount for Apple and get a way better experience with Apple TV-esque filming and like beautiful people that's fully integrated with all of my devices. It's another reason why you love us. It's an MPS play, basically. And on the flip side, you then have Android and Fitbit, who yeah. even them, like, think about what I just described with the Apple experience of, like, Apple Fitness Plus. Can you imagine Google rolling that out? No. No, totally. As has been shown time and time again, Google have never been particularly good at doing consumer experiences. Mm. Occasionally, they're, they're quite good. And obviously, Android is incredibly popular, but that's not, it's not really Google that's making that really work. It's mostly like its device partners and mm. Samsung and what have you. Anytime that it involves like making a beautiful experience for people to use and enjoy in their daily lives, it's not really what Google's all about. They're mm. about like, you know, infrastructure and things like that. Yeah. Time between you hitting enter on the Google search bar and like getting results. Totally. You know, and when, when they do, so, do something that people do like using, like I suppose Gmail. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, people like Gmail. Yeah, of course. Again, it's not the same sort of beautiful interpersonal experience for some guys telling you to be, be the best version of yourself or whatever. <laughs> That's not really their game. But it is It is kind of funny. All these companies are kind of like thinking like, what is our fitness play? Mm. And again, you see the same um, with the VR stuff coming out mm. and like everyone's leaning back into VR. The question keeps coming back to like, Okay, like, but what's like, what's the fitness thing? It's the same room as. Well, that's like Beat Saber, right? The best app on VR. It feels like half of the vibe on that is like you're kind of doing a workout without realizing it. 
Yeah, yeah. Remember the remember the Wii Fit? Yep. Yeah, yeah, the board. Yeah, you bought you bought this board to connect with your Nintendo Wii. Yeah. And again, you did like push-ups and shit on this board. Yeah. That's good stuff. Oh, that is great stuff. They had it figured out back then. Obviously, it wasn't the most popular device in the world, but like the accessories you had to purchase with that, obviously the, the board was its own thing, but all based around the controllers. Like, you know, you had to put a gun on it or a tennis racket on it. All these just basically pieces of plastic yep. that you just would put around the same controller. Yep. Genius. No, they, they nailed it. I think overall, one of the interesting sort of like understated stories in tech is how closely the fitness universe and the tech universe are now like one and the same. Yeah, yeah. Like totally. everything is techified. I think the interesting sort of inverse of that is that running shoes, for example, mm. the way they get marketed and the way they get like built and whatever is all completely like techy. Remember like, it wasn't 10 years ago, but like kind of six or so years ago when Nike Run was a big thing. And, you know, and Adidas, I think they had as well, but Nike definitely had like some kind of chip in the shoe. Yeah, yeah, you could put the, um, yeah. So Nike Run Club or Nike Run, again, there's another like wearable tech play, but it was Nike's one. And they partnered with Apple really closely because mm. you can get all this stuff on the. Well, you can get Nike uh, bands, right, for the watch as well. Yeah, and the old Nike run ones used to connect directly to the iPhone Mm. um, with no software. But, yeah, you you either get their specific shoe or, like, put a chip in your existing pair of shoes Mm. and it was, like, a pedometer. And, again, it did, like, the the Apple Watch thing prior to the Apple Watch. Mm. But even outside, like, the tech stuff, even outside, like, the stuff that explicitly has, like, microchips in it, if you look at, like, Nike's new running shoes, like, the... The yeah. Zoom X, next percentage. Yeah, like, yeah, ne- yeah, totally. And like the vapor flies. Mm. Obviously, these are incredibly incredible bits of engineering. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure there was like, I remember there was like a, a bunch of reporting a couple of years ago because like everyone that was breaking records. Yeah, was wearing them. The Nike Vike vapor flies. Yeah, yeah. They're insanely aerodynamic carbon fiber. Well, yeah, they had the carbon layer. Apparently, in marathon running or whatever, the trend was always to have really thin soles, which like saying aloud, I'm like, is that really the. They thought that anyway, like even a few years ago, and then they have like this massively thick sole with the carbon fiber kind of insert, and it just basically kind of springs you off the ground. Exactly, it's like it's like wearing, it's like wearing pogo sticks. On your face. <laughs> exactly, boing boing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so imagine, imagine, imagine your Apple Watch like airtime figure. If I was wearing those bad boys, right? That, yeah. But this has always been a fantastic marketing tactic of uh, Nike. Like when the Jordans came out, Michael Jordan started getting fined for wearing these shoes because they would like yeah, we'll they keep were, wearing them we'll cop the fine. They were paying his fines. Yeah, the yeah. point being that shit is perfect when um you know some regulatory body is like these shoes like this product is it's too cool. <laughs> it's, it can't be seen. It can't it is this is too fucking good. Yeah, yeah. We might need to ban this because it is so good. Yeah like exactly exactly the paper flies is like it makes people do marathons too amazingly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah again like if you go to the, the website and you look, I mean, the Nike website looks like the Apple website now. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at, like, the Vaporfly stuff, it's pitched basically like a smartphone you wear on your feet. Even, yeah. Even without the fact that it has no, no fucking micro, microchips in it. It's just because, like, the tech world and, like, the fitness world is so tightly integrated now. Yeah, yeah. It's all about just, like, one-upping your kind of performance and numbers, figures, tracking everything, mm. being the best version of yourself. It's a great temperature check on brands. Like speaking of kind of tech, so yeah, the Nike website does look like the Apple website and like the Nike app is, you know, super experiential. The Adidas website, and don't get me wrong, I really like Adidas, Mm. is full e-commerce. Yep. Sale, 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 like sign up to the mailing list, like that kind of vibe, like the 
performance marketing tech. Yeah. And it's just kind of an interesting, as I said, just like a bit of a vibe check on how where a brand's at. Yeah, totally. Are they like pure lifestyle brand play where it's like, we're going to make you a better person? Yeah. Or, yeah. or is it like, get deals, brother? Yeah, exactly. We just right now are just trying to increase conversions by 0.1%. Yeah, totally. But like, it is interesting. You know, it's not like Apple are geniuses for seeing the future and realizing that these devices on your wrist are a fitness product. As you said at the beginning, this was a computer on your wrist. It basically was what they launched, a fashion accessory on your wrist. Like There was a trademark dispute as well, but like there's a good reason why they were like Apple Watch because they thought it's like having Rolex or it's like having, you know, Burberry or it's like having a luxury brand right there because that's what we're doing. Yeah, and the original faces were all kind of chronograph. 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 Yeah, and they made a big deal about it. It's like, oh, they're called complications. Yeah, complications, uh, the little elements on it and blah, 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 like traditional kind of watches, mechanical yeah. watches. But it was, user behavior was that people used it for fitness and they leaned hard into it to the point where, yeah, now you have the Apple Watch Ultra, which is just like, I'm just super into being an athlete. Yeah, being know? being out in I'm the I'm extreme, yeah. I'm literally Bear grills. Yeah, exactly. Like, I am that fit, basically. Yeah. And if I if you buy the Apple Watch Ultra, you're just signaling, basically, like, I've got extreme tendencies. Yeah, exactly. Can't catch me in the Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah? You need me to scale something? <laughs> that man can scale something. He might be wearing a business suit in Wynyard. <laughs> <laughs> but at the first sight of trouble, you'll see him running across the rooftops. <laughs> Get off the couch. Please. This is the first actual threat to Google search. I feel the energy. Don't worry about the final details. And it values it at basically $30 billion. For every person going, wow, there's 100 people going, AI for Dex. That's for the egghead. Boring stuff that's easily replaceable will be replaced. Tasteless loser who's got on the computer and typed some words. It's some layer of subjective subjective Down around now has a substack where we are running our premium podcast, a second episode every week, plus plenty more goodies to come in the future. Mm-hmm. So head to downround.net to sign up.